0: Scores! Gilmore scores! With three left! Off the glass, it looks going to Aguila. Aguila with a circle. Has to the yellow shot, Save made by Three rebound, another shot! They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They
1: score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames Talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers.
2: All right, let's get it going. We are underway this hour on Flames Talk. It is Wednesday, June 14th, and welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe even through employee turnover. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. On Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, live right here on Sportsnet 9, six of the Fan. Coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. I want to start this, uh, start this hour off with one of the juicier topics on the Flames front. And that is the future of Noah Hannafin with the organization. Uh, We will hear from Clark Bishop of the Calgary Wranglers a little bit later on this hour. He re-upped with the Wranglers for two more years on a two-year, two-way deal. Clark Bishop will join us about midway through this hour. But Elliot Friedman reported over the weekend that Noah Hannafin will be getting a lot of interest on the trade market, which I don't think is a massive surprise. But as soon as Elliott says that, puts that out there on national television and then again on 32 Thoughts, you know that it's going to all of a sudden start to be a talking point in this market and in other markets. It makes sense. He's a 26-year-old top four defenseman a year away from unrestricted free agency with almost 600 NHL games under his belt. But uh, let me say two things. First of all, let me say hi, Vicks. How you doing? Hey, buddy. And second of all, I don't think they tra- should trade Noah Hannafin if they don't have to. But they might have to. Here's Elliot Friedman on 32 thoughts earlier this week. I think the flames are kind of wondering about the writing on the wall there that maybe Hannafin's thinking about some other opportunities. And so they better act. And the other thing too is look like Severson's off the board, Provorov's off the board. All of a sudden, you know, Orlov the demand on him gets higher. So the number is going to get bigger I think Calgary was really good for Hannafin, and and Hannafin was really good for Calgary. I think that was a really mutually beneficial partnership. He became a better player there, and they got a lot of good out of him. I've heard that there's going to be a lot of interest in him. I I think that they're going to be able to make a good deal here. So here's what I understand of the Noah Hannafin situation. I, I checked in on it over the last 24 hours or so, um, knowing that we were going to talk about it on this Wednesday. Um, I think that the best way to characterize where Noah is in terms of his desire to sign long-term, uh, I think the best way to put it would be uncertain or on the fence as it stands right now. Like I, I don't think that he has completely closed the door on it. I don't think it's a hard no, but I think it's it's uncertain um, as to whether or not he is going to put or will put pen to paper on a long-term extension with the Calgary Flames. That's how I understand it from uh, a couple of people that I trust. Uh, I would characterize it as uncertain as to his desire to re-sign. And so knowing that, I think almost identically about Noah Hannafin as I do about Elias Lindholm. In fact, not even almost identically. I think identically about, the same, the, about the, these two situations. Do everything you can, if you're Craig Conroy and co, to sign him and to get him to sign a long-term extension. Put a competitive offer on the table and see if you can make meaningful progress in the next number of weeks. If you don't, then you got to move him and you got to move him this summer. I I feel strongly about doing everything you can to sign him. But in the end, as Elliot just said, other opportunities, as I just said, I think uncertain is the, the best way to describe where he's at in terms of his desire to re-sign here in Calgary. You've got to be open to making a significant trade. So where do you want to start? Do you want to start on the trade front, or do you want to start on the extension front?
1: Let's start on the trade front, because I feel like that is, you mentioned it's very similar to the Elias Lindholm situation, and I don't disagree with that at all. My thought is, is if you can't extend Noah Hannafin, you move him, no questions asked, no hard feelings from either side, you yep. went and you explored the options, and if he decides that in a year's time he wants to hit unrestricted free agency, or he's not willing to sign a long-term cal- contract to remain with the Calgary Flames, then you make peace with that, and you go your separate ways amicably. He was second on the team last year in average time on ice at twenty two thirty-nine, but I'm not certain I would call him their second most important defenseman. I think Rasmus Anderson's more important, I think Mackenzie Weager's more important, and I think to a degree, although he's in a very similar situation right now, I think there's an argument to be made that Chris Tanev is more important as well. So when you're talking about a defenseman who's one year away from unrestricted free agency and he's not giving off a resounding yes vibe to staying with the Calgary Flames. I think you explore all the trade options presented to you as it pertains to today, as it pertains to Wednesday, leading up into the NHL draft. And I'd be curious of what you're able to field for a Noah Hannafin. As you mentioned, 600 games, 26 years old. He is still a very, very good defenseman. By by me saying that, I I would rank Rasmus Anderson and Mackenzie Wieger in terms of importance ahead of him. Is not disparaging to Noah Hannafin. It's, I just a, it's just the faith that I have in those two defensemen. If he's not a resounding yes, then I've already had talks with other organizations about what the return could be. He's a top four defenseman on any t- on yes. any team. In this I, league. I will one hundred percent grant you that.
2: Top two pairing guy on any team in this league. I I really there's there's no doubt about it. If you ask me, um, the so, other sorry not to interrupt, yeah, but you know,
1: the I, other reason. I look at this from the trade perspective is right now, the flames have 82.25 million in cap, according to Cow friendly allotted to 18 players next season. So they're about 1.25 million underneath, but they've still got at least four players to add. And if you're looking to address a top six need amongst your forwards, I don't necessarily think that trading Noah Hannafin is going to give you any more cap flexibility, but it fills a hole at the same time. If you trade them for futures, it does fix a little bit of that cap flexibility, but trading Noah Hannafin doesn't accomplish both those goals at the same time I'm willing to offer. Uh,
2: I would I would suggest that there is a... I'm trying to think of the right, the right uh, adjective. Um, there is a maybe strong's too strong a word, but there's a decent possibility, uh, a more than negligible possibility that Noah Hannafin is traded in the next number of weeks. I think that's fair. Yep. I think there is a... Um, good to strong possibility this happens because knowing that the Hannafin camp is kind of uncertain where things are right now I think there is a decent chance he gets dealt okay so let's I'll get into why that's not the ideal circumstance in a little bit but let's just deal from maybe a little bit more of a realistic standpoint and that is okay if they have to make a trade what should they get back for him what type of trade should this look like and for me If you're going to be making a trade for a player with that type of value, a 26-year-old who can play 22 to 24 minutes, uh, who can kill penalties, who can, I I think, on a power play, he's best suited on a number two unit on any team, but still can give you power play time. He is an elite skater. He has gotten better in every single year of his NHL career, including every year he's been a member of the Calgary Flames you need to you need to get good return on this. And I take a look at, and I know that these happened years in the past, but I take a look at what the Flames paid to bring in Dougie Hamilton. I take a look at what the Flames paid to bring in Travis Hamanick. And I think, okay, well, that's probably what the Flames should be getting if they're moving out a guy like Noah Hannafin. And in both circumstances, it was a first and, and two, two seconds. seconds. Like, that, to me, is your ballpark if it's going to be a futures-only deal. So here's kind of the the thing. Like, first of all, if I'm trading Hannafin and a first-round pick is not coming back, to me, that's almost a non-starter. The right. only way that I'm having that conversation, if you're getting, like, a bonafide blue-chip top prospect back in the conversation. Otherwise, if I'm moving Hannafin a first-round pick, preferably this year, but if it happens after the draft, a first-round pick is coming back, period, if if I'm having the conversation with another team. So, first-round pick, first and two seconds, a first, a third, and a prospect, a first in an NHL, like a youngish... NHL D-man, who's obviously not at the same caliber of Hannafin. So if you're trading away a guy who's clearly in the top four, who's 26, maybe you're bringing back a 26, 27 year old who's maybe more of the four, five, six variety, and getting a first round pick. Those would be the types of things that I think would be fair value. I take a look at what Provorov got back for Philadelphia. They essentially the the big parts of that deal were a first and a second. So. And I think they're both 26. I think Hannafin is the better all-round defenseman than Provorov is myself. Others disagree. I think Hannafin impacts the game more than Provorov does. I think he has fewer deficiencies than Provorov does. But that's just me. But I'd be looking for more than what Philadelphia got in a three-way deal for Provorov. And here's the other thing. Like, there is next to... No this is the salary constraint. Yeah. You're getting a guy under five million bucks on one, and then you can sign him whatever the extension looks like. But to fit him into your salary cap next year, yeah, you're you're laughing if you're a team acquiring Hannifin because he's on a great bang for buck bargain deal that that they signed before he even stepped foot on on the ice as a member of the Calgary Flames. So that should up his value. You don't need to or you very likely don't need to engage another team to make this work. And if you're looking to make a deal with a guy with one year left on his deal with that type of flexibility, if you're the Flames, maybe you can even help out a little bit by eating a little bit of a salary if you're talking to a team that is so cap-strapped that they need that to happen. So all that being said, I think the Flames should get more than Philly got for Provorov. And and it's got to be a first-round pick, and you've got to get another high-leverage asset in there as well.
1: The other thing to consider is the free agent market is barren when it comes to top-end defensemen, and Elliot mentioned it. Dmitry Orlov, is that the competition? If you're an NHL team and you're wanting to add to your blue line, one, the high-caliber defenseman in this sort of free agent pool isn't necessarily there, so you're going to have to look at the the trade market a little bit. So that's another thing that I would layer on in terms of a return. I might disagree with you on insisting on a first round pick, depending on the team I'm dealing with. If there's a defenseman like Pavel Mintakov, Kevin Kuczynski, I won't lump Luke Hughes into that scenario because I think Hughes is too elite in terms of the return, and if you've got a defenseman that's hey, that Jersey's close. New Jersey's
2: building a Hughes dynasty. How dare you? I
1: mean, yeah, but like a Brant Clark out of L.A., if I'm able to get a defenseman that might be one to two years away as opposed that's, to a I, draft I, pick. I even said that. I said the only
2: right. way I'm not, the only way a first-round pick, I could I could live with that is if they're getting a blue chip, like top-end elite prospect.
1: And with that, I still might want a draft pick or two as a kicker because as you mentioned, this is a 26-year-old defenseman who's cost-controlled for another year. You're going to have the ability to talk extension. Chances are you're going to have an ability to talk extension pre-trade as well to get a gauge on whether or not you're a team that Noah Hannafin would want to sign long term with. So even in, under that scenario, you can sort of jack up the price a little bit too. Listen, he's, he's going to be a coveted guy. If he's available, there aren't a lot of defensemen that are currently available right now. I'm sure we'll hear more and more in the coming weeks leading up to the draft about Team X floating out player Y as a possible trade candidate as we get sort of to the silly season in the 48 hours before the NHL draft. But Noah Hannafin is going to be a coveted player if and should and when he's dangled on the trade market. There's just no way about it you mentioned the age the production the games played the salary you start layering all these things together he's a bona fide top four defenseman they don't come on the market that regularly they're tough and you mentioned the acquisition cost of some of the defensemen the Calgary Flames have brought in that have kind of come in under a similar pedigree in terms of expectation and then the role that they can fill again this is a guy that's going to be coveted, and I don't think you're doing your due diligence if you don't float him out there with or without a contract extension for the Calgary Flames, to be quite honest. Yeah.
2: I I mean, if they have to, and I think there's a... And, and when I say it, the only way I'm trading Noah Hannafin is if I have to trade Noah Hannafin. Because I this guy has been linked to like, oh, trade Noah, trade Noah Hannafin. He, I, I have been pushing back on moving Hannafin for the last i want to say three or four years uh that long
1: this has been a little bit of a buzz
2: yeah i mean i think ever since his first year with the team honestly when the team kind of flamed out in the playoffs against Colorado, that's been a name that people like well do you really need this guy going forward or should they should they keep this guy going forward and i've always said my, my take has always been while there's still multiple years left of term on his contract you've got a great value contract for a guy who can play 22 to 24 minutes who has improved every year of his NHL career yeah. chips in offensively can chip in on the power play can kill penalties is he perfect no is he prone to the big mistake yes is is he sometimes um are, are some of his reads of the high end variety no i don't i would not suggest that noah's hockey IQ is at the same level of you know, even some of the guys on the team, like Tanner Ever Anderson, where you really look at hockey IQ as being big parts of their game. But his natural gifts, his ability to get better, his willingness to learn, uh, he's always been a guy that, maybe not untouchable, but a guy that I think you want to keep at that cap. At top four defensemen for under $5 bucks, that you're going to get 30 to 50 points from every year, you want that guy on your team. So I've never felt like trading Hannafin makes sense until now, and even still, if I had my druthers, if I had a choice, black and white, trade or re-sign, I'm leaning re-sign 10 times out of 10, but that may not be in the cards because he may not re-sign here. And that's because he's uncertain in re-signing here, because that is a question mark. This is why we're having the conversation of making this deal.
1: So, while we're flipping out the hypothetical scenarios, you had mentioned you'll do everything in your power to re sign Noah Hannafin. Yeah. Is there a number where you stop and go? Because I imagine it's going to be a max term. Is there a number where you go, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe we can't go down this route? Because I look at, again, I, I went through the list. I think Rasmus is more important. I think Mackenzie Weger is more important. Do you put a ceiling? on Noah Hannafin that comes under the deal that's going to kick in for Mackenzie Weger. Are you willing to go above to keep him?
2: I'm going, I'm willing to go above that. And that's okay. no, that's not even suggesting that one superior to the other. The difference is Weger's 30 and Hannafin's 26. 26. You're buying more high leverage. You because Hannafin was playing 82 games at the age of 18, He's eligible for unrestricted free agency well before Uyghur is or was. Um, And so Hannafin will be 27 when he's eligible for unrestricted free agency. So you sign him to an eight-year deal, you're buying seven years uh, or you're buying eight Eight years years of unrestricted free agency. Now, how many of those are high leverage years? Probably three. Maybe four, but you're still buying three or four big earning years as a UFA, okay. and so because of that, you got to pay, pay a premium. So for me, he's at just under five right now. I'm looking at eight times seven and a half or something like that as a as a pretty good ballpark for where you'd want Hannafin to be. Um, am I going nine million for him? No, is is uh, probably a cutoff at around seven and a half ish is probably where I'd go on an eight year deal. But I think he's worth every penny of something like that based on his skating, based on his improvement, I still think the ideal scenario is re-signing him, but again, if you can't re-sign him, I think you got to you got to swing a deal and and got to maximize on it and I think you maximize on it this summer.
1: I think my ceiling might be a little bit lower, but again, I understand the argument of top four defensemen, the way he moves, his physical tools are second to none on that blue line. I would, I'd be willing to put a good argument forth upon it. Well, what
2: would Hannafin make if he hit UFA July 1st? What would those deals look like?
1: And that's basically the argument to be made from his camp because why am I going to sell off early? Why am I going to undervalue myself to stay with the Calgary Flames versus the open market? Now, you mentioned he's going to hit it. Is there even a comparable hitting unrestricted free agency at 27 with almost 700 NHL games under your belt with an average of probably 22-ish minutes over that span? Where you're, still, older. where you're still producing 35 to 40 points a season. And as as mentioned, bonafide top four. Like, I don't know the full list of comparables. Well,
2: I'm trying to think like Lindholm, oh, Hampus Lindholm older and didn't hit UFA. Uh, I guess... Not
1: Trangulo, to put you on the spot oh, here. I
2: can't think of a guy off the top of my head who has recently potentially hit UFA with all that and at that age.
1: Now, and having said that, every team goes out and tries to make a splash in the free agent market when it comes to unrestricted free agency. I don't necessarily even think he gets there because I think if he gets dealt, he's getting dealt with an extension. I think agreed, agreed. I think that yep. formula, that scenario we saw with Damon Severson, I think we'll see, we saw it with Matthew Guchak, I think that's going to become more the norm when you're dealing a guy one year out from unrestricted free agency. But I think as an unrestricted free agent at 27, and Noah Hannafin is going to go for silly money. I think he's going to go for more money than I'm willing to pay for him. Just, yeah. just to be blunt. And if that's the route he chooses, he's well within his rights to, to go get paid. I encourage every player to go get paid, to be perfectly honest, because your shelf day life day is short. Yeah, Get your money when you can make your money. But he's going to command more than I'd be willing to pay for him as an unrestricted free agent. That's the best way I could probably sum it up.
2: Again, if Hannafin is willing to stay, then I'm moving other defensemen this summer ahead of him and trying to re-sign him. I'm not as certain he is. I think it's uncertain at best as it stands right now. So I think that as a Flames fan and I think you probably already have been going all the way back to April just knowing the way this year went mm-hmm. prepared for some change but on on this player specifically I think maybe being prepared for a move um wouldn't be wouldn't be the dumbest thing. I think preparing yourself for that potential eventuality I think the very least um, sets you up so if he's a, you're a big fan of his, you're not disappointed. I'm a big fan of his, and you know, I'm preparing myself that, yeah, there's a chance far larger than negligible, negligible chance that he ends up getting dealt.
1: I think the cost-benefit analysis of what he might cost you to stay in Calgary, I don't think you're necessarily getting him at a discount. I think the fact that the trade market for defense is going to be a little bit soft, and the fact that you can maximize his return by dealing him now, I think all those things start mm-hmm. to stack up. If he chooses that Calgary's not for him, I think you hit the trade market hard. To be perfectly a uh,
2: few Texans, Hannafin straight up for Nylander. I think William Nylander's is a great player. I would abs. He's going to command a ton of money. I don't know if they with. I don't Chris, know if Toronto does that. I don't know if they do either. But I'm just saying, you know, take a look at Nylander. And what he's going to make going from six point nine as a cap hit to probably over eight uh, with the the points that he puts up, and and probably well over eight if you're thinking about it. Um, and you've got Kadri and Huberdo signed to their big deals. I don't know if the, it, I don't know if it's feasible. I don't know. I I'm a big
1: Neilander guy. I'm a massive Neilander guy. I'll say it.
2: I I'd be all over them getting him. I just don't know if the contract and knowing he's got one year left before he's UFA. If it's an actual feasible move or not. I don't know.
1: I mean, it's intriguing, but I don't think Toronto entertains that thought, to be perfectly honest.
2: But Tree loves Hannafin.
1: We all love Hannafin.
2: I, I just think that's why that one's coming out on okay. the next line. Uh, Pat and Aaron along with you. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Wednesday edition of the program continues. Pat Steinberg, Aaron Vickers along with you. Very happy to welcome in our next guest. He just signed a new two-year contract with the Flames after his first year in the organization. Clark Bishop, 64 games with the Calgary Wranglers. 23 points in those 64 games, played nine more in the postseason. That line with him, Kevin Rooney, and Brett Sutter turned into a big-time part of the Wranglers' success en route to being the best team in the regular season and having a pretty darn good playoff run as well. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now and welcome in Clark Bishop, fresh off signing a brand new two-year contract with the Flames right now. Clark, appreciate you doing this today. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
2: No problem. Uh, And uh, happy to have you back. uh, How'd this all come about and uh, take us through the last, I don't know, 24, 48 hours leading up to deciding to come back to the Flames?
0: Yeah, um, obviously it was a a bit of a no-brainer. We had such a great group of guys there this year. Uh, Me and my fiancé, we love it there. Uh, Love the girlfriends, love the guys. Um, it's just such a good group there, and uh, we're happy to be back for another two years.
2: So can you take us back to last summer and deciding to come to the Flames organization? You had been with uh, the Ottawa organization for a little bit and decide to sign in Western Canada. How how did it all come about about a year ago when you made that decision?
0: Yeah, I think uh, the uh, style of hockey uh, kind of fit my my game pretty well. And uh, when my agent came uh, to me with the idea about going out there and that they were interested and it could be a good good opportunity for me, I I think I just took it and and ran with it. Um, Obviously, at the beginning of the year this year, it was a bit of a, a change for me and took some time to get used to. Uh, But I think after Christmas, I really uh, stepped it up a notch and uh, showed what I can do. From
2: a team perspective, just you mentioned all the success you had this year with that Wranglers group. When did you first kind of get the feeling that you could have a special group with that Wranglers team this year?
0: Yeah, it didn't take long at all. Uh, You could tell right from the start that everybody there wanted to win and get better uh, we have a lot of young guys there on that team that are, are fun to be around and love coming to the rank every day. It it makes it uh a lot of fun. Um it only it didn't like I said, it didn't take long at all and we all got to know each other pretty quickly and, and kinda just ran with it.
2: Did you uh did you look at yourself as kind of a you're only twenty seven, but it was as you mentioned, a really young team, a lot of pro rookies. Like did you look at yourself as more of a veteran guy, more of a, a leader inside that room?
0: yeah i I think so um like you said i'm only twenty seven I'm not that old but um you know the hockey uh the hockey world is not getting any younger so um yeah I thought coming in uh, having won a Calder Cup playing some NHL games um, for those younger guys on the team uh, I thought I could be a a good leader and and show some good experience
2: how uh how did you like the mix of because you had guys like you or uh brett sutter with over a thousand pro games and kevin rooney and like you had some some really impressive veterans on that team but then all of those young guys that you talk about and some guys with not a ton of pro experience how did that mix work
0: i uh, i think we couldn't ask for any better um, and even with the coaching staff everybody wanted to come to the rink every day to get better and uh, I know you mentioned a couple of names there like Sutts and, and Rooney. And, you know, those guys are even older than me and they bring a ton more experience. And like you said, with Roons, uh playing NHL games and uh, and uh, Sutts having a thousand games in the league, um, I don't think you could ask for much better.
2: What made that line with you, Fred Sutter and Kevin Rooney, so effective because you're a huge part of uh that that Wrangler success in the second half of the season.
0: I think all of us kind of just play a similar style of hockey and uh we were we were very predictable. Um it's almost like we kind of knew where each other were at all times on the ice. Um and being the same uh players and uh playing the same style of hockey, I I think we we connected very well and it uh, like you said, it obviously worked out uh, pretty well for us.
2: We're chatting with Clark Bishop of the Calgary Wranglers. Just signed a brand new two year deal with the Flames on this Wednesday, so he'll be back uh, with the organization for a couple of more years. Joining us here on Flames Talk. It's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers, Vix.
1: Clark, you mentioned the leadership uh, role that you played in the line uh, the fourth line with Rooney and Sots. Just curious from your own perspective, though, you had an AHL career best, 11 goals. You were tied for second on the team with four game-winning goals. How do you, just from a personal standpoint, evaluate your first season with the Wranglers?
0: Yeah, uh, like I mentioned earlier on, and uh, when I first got on, I think it was a bit up and down for me at the beginning of the year, coming to a new team, trying to figure it out. Um, but I think after Christmas, and especially the last 40 games of the season, I I think I really stood out, and, and I found my game. Um, I've always said I can be a great two-way player, and I think that really showed at the end of the year, and I, I really came to uh, to show that.
1: Is that just a product of moving to a new team, a new organization, new systems, a new coach, that settling-in period?
0: Uh, yeah, I think that has a little bit to do with it, uh, just getting comfortable with everybody, uh, just new systems, new uh, systems new ways of uh, of uh, going around on the team, uh, travel, all that stuff that comes into effect. Um, so just getting used to that, and, and uh, I think I did a good job after Christmas.
1: And You mentioned it was a no-brainer re-upping with the organization. The two-year deal, is that part of the element that makes it a no-brainer, having that security heading into next season?
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, having some security for the next couple of years is, uh, was big on my, uh, on my mind. Uh, my fiancé works uh from home and uh we're both canadian so uh, it makes life a lot easier and uh we just love the city there and and uh, being in the same city as the nhl team as well and um you know we we actually made some friends outside of hockey uh which is all which is nice and that doesn't always happen and uh you know it's, i think we're very excited to get back in a few months
2: we're chatting with clark bishop signs a new two-year contract with the flames on this wednesday Tell us a little bit more about playing in the same city as the NHL organization. I guess you kind of had uh, a similar situation even when you're with the Sens, you're in the same province, or uh, when you're with the Checkers and part of the Hurricanes organization, but being in the same city in the same building as the big team, what was that like?
0: I, I think it's great, and uh, we have a, a great facility there at uh, at Winsport. Uh, for when for our practices and and a great dressing room, so it, it makes life a lot easier on a lot of guys. Um, obviously, I didn't get the chance to play in NHL games this year, but for guys that did, uh, it makes the call up that much more easier and sleep in your own bed. Uh, you know, just kind of move your gear from one arena down to the to the next downtown. So yeah. I think it it's great, and uh, I think eventually more teams are, are going to do it.
2: You uh, you talked about some of the guys who who did get the call up to the NHL, whether it was Matty Phillips or Jacob Pelche or Walker Doer. You as as a veteran, can you take us through what that what's that like when when those guys get that
0: opportunity,
2: whether it's when it happens or even when they rejoin your group? What's uh, what's that like inside the locker room?
0: I think everybody is just very excited for them. Um, you know, and on the other side of it, everybody's competing for for a job and, and, and battling at the same time to get up there. But then again, like I just said, everybody's so excited. So um and then to see them go up there and do so well and uh then come back down here and and uh want to be there and help us win, uh it's it's incredible.
2: Gotta ask you about your head coach. Now a two time AHL Coach of the Year, your first year with Mitch Love this year. Just uh, tell us about playing for Mitch and and the type of coach he is.
0: Yeah, uh, Mitch is a great, great coach. Uh, obviously, uh, the year before I got there, uh, Coach of the Year, and then again this year, um, I think it's a no brainer. Um, you know, guys want to play for him. He's uh, he's he's intense and and he knows what he's doing. And he gets the best out of everybody every day uh, when we come to the rink. So uh, it's no surprise he's been uh, coach of the year the last two years. And like I said, I think everybody in that dressing room wanted to go uh, go to battle with him.
2: How come? What makes him a guy that that players want to play for?
0: I think just his personality and, and uh, the way that he coaches on the ice and You know, sometimes it's not always pretty. Uh, I mean, you know, he wants to get the best out of every single player every day, Um, no matter if that's the first day of training camp or that was our last practice before uh, our Game 5 series against uh, Coachella. Um, You know, it doesn't change uh, day to day. So uh, I think that has a big impact on it.
2: And just before we let you go, I do have to ask you about uh, you're a St. John's guy. You're a Newfoundland guy. I believe um, 31 players from Newfoundland have have played in the NHL, and, and you're one of those 31 over the last number of decades. That's how, how much pride do you take representing your home province like that?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be the same answer for everybody. I think it's we take a lot of pride in it. Uh, like you said, there's not very many guys who have who have made it, and uh, I think back home in Newfoundland, you have the whole province cheering for you, uh, no matter who it is playing there, playing the NHL from there. Uh, so it's just such a a big community back there, and um, it's it's incredible to see. And and when you go home and you, you talk to people, and you know they say that they've been uh, following you throughout the year, and Uh, it's, it's nice to, to hear.
2: So you are, you know, you're, you're a 96 birth year. So would Cleary be the guy for you? Would he be the, the, like, would he be the one that was the, the biggest for you growing up or who were some of the guys that were huge growing up that, that popped in the NHL?
0: Yeah. I mean him for sure. Um, Ryan was around, um, I ended up when I was a little bit younger, when I was in junior training with a couple of those guys like Colin Greening, Ryan Klo, Luke Adam. Um, all those guys were around and skating in the summertime, so I got the chance to see them. Uh, so that was that had a big impact on uh, on my career and, and seeing them do well. Just wanted, to, uh, just made me want to in their footsteps
2: okay very cool and so uh and and do you like how because mercer and Newhook are, are both uh newfoundland guys do you do you talk to do you talk to them at all
0: they're a little bit younger than me uh i follow them on uh on social media and stuff like that and i'll reach out every now and then and, okay. and same with them but I, I keep good tabs on them uh, my brother is actually uh, pretty good friends with uh with alec Newhook, so uh there's a little bit of a of a um Talk there with him uh every now and then so it's uh it's nice to see those those two young guys doing well too
2: what uh for 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 people out west who have never been to, to st john's uh to get, give us the sell why does uh why does somebody got to check out st john's newfoundland
0: well, it's not because of the weather, I'll tell you that. <laughs> okay. But uh there's a, there's also a little street downtown that uh that gets going in the summertime. That's uh that's also a pretty good uh sightseeing uh spot to go to.
2: Uh that would that be George Street.
0: You're correct, yes. Yeah.
2: I've never been. I just you know, Peter Hanlon uh over at the Flames is also a uh proud uh proud Newfoundlander and and he has told stories of uh, of George street and uh, how epic it is. So it, it does live up to the hype.
0: Yeah, for sure. And especially when they have George street festival, I think it's the last week of uh, July into the first week of August. Um, no matter rain or shine or snow, uh, it's, it's packed down there and it's, it's great to see and they have bands playing and, and some good ones to uh, come in as well for it. Nice, but, uh, I never said COVID as well. They have the, uh, the whole water street down by the water. Um, uh blocked off for pedestrians so it's kinda of like a pedestrian mall so uh that's been kinda on wheels really the last uh, the last few years which is also really good to see.
2: Okay. What uh so what does the rest of the summer look like for you, Clark? Uh
0: pretty busy. Uh I actually just got back to uh Fredericton, New Brunswick uh yesterday. That's where my fiance is from okay. and that's kinda home base now. Uh, we're actually getting married July 29th. So it's going to come pretty quickly. Uh, we're already, we're only home a day and we're pretty swamped. So um, it's going to be a busy summer for us, but uh, it's going to be an exciting one well, as well. Congratulations. How
2: yeah. you got a, you got a good chunk of the the team coming with you. Like you've got, uh, you've got some of the guys that'll be, uh, that'll be there for the wedding this summer.
0: Uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't think so. It's just, the way things worked out and, and going into Calgary, the new guy and right. already having kind of the wedding plan. Um, you know, I, I really wish we could have every single guy there, um, but I don't think it's going to happen, but um, we'll, uh, we'll definitely celebrate uh, when we get back to Calgary and I'm sure I'll hear from some guys.
2: Well, congratulations on uh, the pending nuptials. Congratulations on a, a great first season as a member of the Wranglers and congratulations on a brand new two year contract. Thanks for joining us a little bit here today Clark thanks for doing this
0: thank you very much I appreciate it
2: clark bishop uh, brand new two year contract with the flames and the wranglers two years two way uh, seven seventy five at the NHL level so uh, new two year contract and all guy that look if a, a part of the Flames philosophy with their American League team, whether it's been in Adirondack, specifically since it's been in Stockton, and now that it's uh, been in, the, in Calgary for the last season, you know Brad Paschal and, and Brad Living and now Craig Conroy have, have looked at that and said it is a development ground and it's development first. And so Jeremy Poirier and maybe Matt Coronado this year, we'll see. Matt Phillips, Jacob Pelche, Connor Zary, Dustin Wolf. It's been development first but part of the development process for them has been you got to have good pro veterans around you and they identified Clark as one of those guys last summer it worked out really well and he comes back to be that guy as well he's got 47 NHL games under yep. his belt and and is is a guy that that could very well be a recall depending on the situation absolutely but to have a guy with that much pro experience he's been pro since 2016 uh, to have to have a good pro like that to help some of these guys go forward it's uh it's important in in the flames philosophy and how they want their number one affiliate to go about their business
1: well and to compete with them and push them day in day out as well it's one thing to have veterans but it's another thing to have veterans that can push them to be better day in day out whether it be you know helping them along or competing with them for ice time competing with them for roles so on and so forth you're right that a lot of these veterans come in as additional development tools for the young prospects, but they also have to play to a level that pushes the guys to be better. pushes the 21 year olds, the 20 year olds, the 22 year olds, because that's how you further develop them along as well. And of course, winning as well. You need to bring in quality players to bring in a winning environment. And that's what veterans like Clark Bishop do for the Wranglers. And in turn for the Calgary flames.
2: Thanks to uh, Clark for joining us. Thanks to uh, fellow Newfoundlander, Peter Hanlon for uh, setting that up and uh that was cool it's always Are we cool. uh
1: we gonna take the show on the road i mean that was a pretty good a endorsement consult-
2: i've heard from hanlon from uh, like i've heard george street and st john's is kind of like a, like a mini ireland in a little way I've, I've 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 heard it's pretty awesome it is it is now i've done new brunswick and nova scotia newfoundland is very much on the the summer the summer vacation list at some point in the very near future. Do you
1: want to hear my horrible, horrible shame? Yes. I've never been east of Ottawa in Canada. No, hey. Yeah, it's terrible, right?
2: You haven't been, you haven't been no. in Halifax? I very no. highly recommend Halifax of the places I've been.
1: We're gonna um, we were gonna hit up Nova Scotia this summer. Plans got changed around a little bit, so unfortunately not, but that is my biggest shame as it pertains to travel globally i guess i would say
2: yeah very much uh halifax yes i uh, can very highly recommend the latest city in can- canada is halifax it's not a later city in this uh in this country last call 330 uh and their the late night foods open till 4 and 5 on weekends it's out of this world if you're an idiot like me who only does late nights halifax is your spot montreal you- incredible quebec city just picturesque it's like uh especially in uh the old city the old town it's like europe in uh europe in canada you got the citadel and um yeah i go go explore east i've never been to ottawa though but i explore east
1: well most of that was spent in canada so (laughs) i don't even know if it necessarily counts when you were were on the road you never
2: got to bell center hey
1: i didn't get to four or five rinks bell center was one of them columbus carolina tampa bay um, Seattle now, I guess you could add to the list of places I haven't been, I and say, Washington.
2: I will say, having been there for the draft last year, just walking into the whole Habs Square, and yeah. you see they've got, the, they got two buildings that kind of flank the the Bell Center, and they both have huge Habs logos. They're both like 40-story buildings with two Habs logos right on them, and then you've got the Bell Center. You've got all the history. There's a picture of Jean Beliveau. There's a picture of uh, Maurice Richard. You know, like, okay, this is this is pretty neat and um, and then you know you you walk in you're like yeah okay this place was made for one thing it was made for hockey and hockey only it's uh it's pretty neat to, it's pretty neat to be around there
1: and did you indulge in a chien show
2: uh, I did they had the le, 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 le show uh, in the uh, like you know when you're at a draft yep. this will be only this is very behind the scenes, but in the co- uh, in the event level of every arena, they always have like a little setup that's catered with something, and they had free, free, free hot dogs. They just go up, like, and they're, and they're just,
1: world famous like, toasted
2: buns. I never had one before with toasted buns, and yeah,
1: it's not it's meat. not your for the listeners. It's not your regular hot dog. If you go see a game at Bell Center, get a hot dog there,
2: and and. If you like, you know, there's some good putin spots or putin spots here in in Calgary. I hope Julian and Salam. I said putin, correct ish. Um, but there are you're, no, get, you you're getting a you big no. No, Taylor doesn't count. She does not speak Quebec French. She does not. She does not count. Julian and Salam are the ones who I listen to on on the Quebec French. Taylor is not impressed with me. Came
1: um. Back. I don't know Paris um, French. Yeah.
2: Didn't you go French Immersion? Isn't that, yeah, so that's not, that's not not the, yeah, okay, well, maybe you did. Anyway, the best I've ever had is a place called The Snack Bar uh, in Quebec City. It's like completely different, like you're like, oh, okay, so this is what all the hype is about. And there's some good spots here. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's a different world. Anyway, we've gone way off track. Good way to wrap up this hour of somehow we got from Newfoundland into uh, cheese curds and gravy and, and fries. That's what will happen on June 14th. When we've been doing <laughs> Flamestock nonstop. <laughs> and, and there's been a lot of news, but there's also been a lot of downtime. Uh, okay. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flamestock. Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Now because Taylor's mad at me, I'm just going to quickly go. uh, If you want to follow Taylor on Twitter, um, Taylor underscore Dingman. uh, If you'd like to go follow Taylor on Twitter, just because now she's mad at me. She tweets only in
1: French, though, for the record.
2: Uh, Thanks to Cam Hughes as well, for Taylor, for Cam, for Vickers, for Clark Bishop. My name is Pat. That'll do it for this hour of Flames Talk. It's been The Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.